0: you're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. There were
1: all locations all across the field, I and
2: mean, there were probably 80 players that were involved in this situation. Bryant, right. they throw long, right sideline.
0: And they're an extra point away, for time the game. And penalty markers get thrown
1: after the play. The kick is up. And it is no good.
3: Countdown to the Egg Bowl rolls on on this Tuesday afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. And Supertalk TV, great to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, it's the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can find out everything that's happening at Pearl River Resort by visiting them online at pearlriverresort.com. Dot com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad coming to you as always from the, um, well, I just said that, Pearl River Resort Studio. What I was trying to say was if you would like to join the conversation, then we would love to hear from you on the Ceasefire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Had a great time yesterday with our friends from Visit Oxford at uh, the... Grand opening, the kickoff of Holly Jolly Holidays. Still a little disappointed that we didn't see Brian Haydad on skates on the ice. Haydad, I know, still a little disappointed that he didn't see me not only with skates on the ice, but going down while I had skates on the ice to the – I didn't fall the – sorry, bud. You can't get everything you want in this life. Not everything, not all the time. We will uh, continue our parade of guests with ties to the Egg Bowl series as we go throughout the uh, the remainder of the week. Uh, this afternoon, we'll have a, uh, a radio feel to it as uh, both Jim Ellis and Neil Price from Mississippi State will join us. We will uh, talk with them this afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon, Todd Wade is going to stop by and join us on the uh, Farm Bureau guest line, also C.J. Johnson will uh, be with us. Former Ole Miss player from the state of Mississippi, uh, pretty deep ties in the Egg Bowl lore. If uh, you want to go all the way back to recruiting, and hey, Dan, we got one more. Uh, who's the? I, I don't have the list. My computer has completely. Vic Ballard it. will join us tomorrow. Vic Ballard. That's the other one that was uh, coming up as well. So all of that, and yet. The biggest story in the state of Mississippi is what happened on Twitter last night, of all things. We are, what, less than 72 hours until, whoa, we're about, hold on, we're, we're on Tuesday, 48. We're like 51 hours from kickoff of the Egg Bowl. And the biggest story that's going on right now is Lane Kiffin, Auburn, Ole Miss, John Sokolov at WCBI in Columbus with the tweet that, did I not say it right, Sokolov? Sokolov, yeah. Okay. so Sock. Um, Lane Kiffin's reaction on Twitter and all of the things that are going on. So what's Keith Carter thinking? What's Lane Kiffin thinking? What's John Cohen thinking? What are the players thinking in all of this? And there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about it all day, so I did a podcast this morning
4: trying to figure out where to even begin. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll start with this, actually, because it's it's pretty simple. Because I have had people, whether it be on social media or through text messages or, or whatever, say something like, well, how do we know he's just not trolling Auburn? Because what he did last night, what he's done for a week... What happened on Saturday night in Fayetteville? What happened in a team meeting today is doing damage to his program. The one that currently pays him $7.25 million a year to coach football and has offered him $9 million a year to coach football. What he's doing right now is currently damaging Ole Miss. And he could end it with one tweet or one signature. Oh, but Michael he says he doesn't he says he doesn't do contract stuff during the season. Hmm. One that's not true and two, now that you're damaging your program with your actions, which quite frankly, we give Hugh Freeze a lot of grief for how he handles Twitter, Lane Kiffin last night was very Hugh Freeze like. Definitely not pro mindset like Sign the offer. Accept the extension. Mark Stoops had no problem doing that. He was in the mix at Nebraska, if you believe the reports. He signed his $2 million raise this week. No more Nebraska talk. If you want to stay at Ole Miss, end this. You could do it today. You could have done it last week. You could have done it last night. You could do it tomorrow. You can end it. Accept the offer sign your extension with Ole Miss, and move on. But that's not happening. And there's three reasons why that's not happening. He knows he's going to Auburn and has to delay. He wants to go to Auburn, but the offer hasn't come yet. And when an offer hasn't come yet, you got to keep trying to do your job. Or three, he's trolling and doing damage to his current employer. Either way, it is being handled terribly. Petulance, immaturity, whatever the case may be, it is being handled terribly. He's like a toddler who happens to be a phenomenal football coach. (laughs) A
3: fantastic football coach who is not handling this well. Hey, Dad, do you have something to say or you're just reclining?
2: I'm just reclining, you know. I, I, by the way, I just want to point out, total coincidence. I honestly didn't mean to wear an orange and blue shirt today. Did not. I did not. What? What is it? Did not say? go that
3: route. Okay, it's the Edmonton Oilers. Whatever.
2: Yeah, I, I, I promise it wasn't on purpose. Somebody pointed it out to me like an hour ago. Um, you can tell almost people have not been through this in a while. I was thinking about this day. Last time it happened was Tupperville. You know, Cutcliffe mm-hmm. never really linked any jobs or Jeron Nutt. Freeze, for all his success, never, you know, the Florida thing was there, but I don't it was never really like hot and heavy this kind mm-hmm. of way. And that, Luke. that was
3: that was pretty hot and heavy. The the Florida thing. But
2: that was really no, I don't recall it time. being like this. I don't recall it Man, being like mean. he's out the door stuff happening. Um so it's been a long time. And it shows. It shows with some of y'all. Not not, not, not on the show, I'm just saying. Reading stuff on Twitter and reading message boards and stuff, it's like state fans, you know, kind of went through it a lot. And we're just, I'm just sort of watching this. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't that unusual. What I'm seeing from Lincoln, I've seen this kind of stuff before.
3: He's more active on on social media than Dan Mullen ever was. I mean, Dan Mullen just kind of uh, like it was all rumor and innuendo. Mullen was uh, trying to get out. I'm gonna, yeah. But if you were connected to sources that were in the agent community or at other places, you know that that wasn't made up. I mean, he was actively looking for a number of years until he finally made the jump, and he was going to make the jump either to Tennessee or to Florida when, I mean, the Florida job popped up at the end, and instead of going to Tennessee, he chose to go to Florida, and now (coughs) he's on television. Um. Mm -hmm. I would agree that last night was a bad look for Lane Kiffin. I mean, it's just like he—he he has been big. Borky used the phrase a second ago on pro mindset, pro mindset. We don't want to talk about these things with the team because you know we're professionals and we're going to do it. He wasn't a professional at all last night. That was that was not good. Um, him signing a contract with Ole Miss at this point, all of this gets undone. Like all the damage that was done. I know I hear people, oh, yep. they're upset and oh they're you know, blah blah blah. Ah, eh, whatever. He signs a contract, wins the egg bowl, puts together a good recruiting class that's a combination of high school players and transfer portal guys making nine million dollars and everybody's singing Kumbaya again. Until it happens again next year, and if it happens again, there there will come a point where old Miss Folks say, Enough. Honestly, I've talked to some people that have are connected to donors and to boosters and people that have been supporters of the school for a really long time. And there is a pretty overwhelming sentiment right now of, you know, Ole Miss is bigger than any one coach. Let him go. First of all, you're not firing him because there are people like, you know what, just fire him. Noel. no, that would cost you a lot of money. You can't fire him. So you have to wait it out. Was that twenty one plus million dollars? Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, there are a lot of people that have thrown out the well. You can't let him coach on Thursday night. Well, who is that helping? I mean, is it so that you can beat your hand on the table and draw a line in the sand and say mm, we showed him who's boss? You got to give your players the best chance to win. I realize that the game has become a backstory or a side story in all of this, but your best chance to win is still with Lane Kiffin on the sidelines. By the way, there's not much value right now in taking Mississippi State on the money line. Last time I looked, if you're just so curious as an underdog, they're only plus 105. Nobody in Vegas is going to be upset, uh, uh, surprised if Mississippi State wins this football game. All right, so let's pick up when we come back, because there are some questions that we need to ask. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
1: Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Text line 601-879-4395. Starting with the first uh, text that Hey Dad has already referenced. Hey Dad, you wearing an Auburn shirt today? LOL.
2: The I'm not. Edmonton Oilers. I don't own an Auburn shirt.
3: Uh, how about this guy, Brian? I think he's talking to you, Hey Dad. Don't let Cross and Michael off the hook today. Make them talk about Lane's twelve-year-old girl-like tweet response last night. If he's not gone, why not just say, I'm not going anywhere? Okay. Um, Mike, and You and Oxford, see what happened. I, I whipped him into shape. Mike in Oxford, what happened in the team meeting today? Um, Lane did what he says he doesn't do, uh, which is address speculation and rumors in the offseason to his team. He did not, as some people have said or intimated in lots of different places, say, I'm not going anywhere. He did not do that. He said that I have not accepted any job or blah, 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 something. Yeah, I've, I've talked to multiple people who
4: are directly aware of what was said and paraphrasing, I have not accepted anything yet if I do, you'll be the first ones to know, was essentially the message. It certainly was not, I signed my contract, I'm sticking around, boys, let's rally and go beat State, yeah. hotty-totty. Like, didn't do that.
3: Yeah, I got bad news. They're not going to be the first ones to know. Nope. That's not Never how this works. That how it works. That don't, don't really get that opportunity. Um, I would assume that he's dealing with a frustrated football team right now. And, and at some point, we've got to tie this into the game, right? And, and we will. There are just a lot of layers to the last 24 hours. It's really hard to look at this game right now and go, oh, man, you feel great about Ole Miss. How could you? That they can talk about pro mindset and compartmentalizing and just doing your job all they want, but everywhere they look, their stories about their head coach. And then, a- and, and then their head coach says, we don't talk about jobs or whatever else during the season. And then he goes after a media member on Twitter, and it starts out playful and kind of funny, and then kind of turns personal. And turns personal over something that may very well end up being <coughs> true. Now, in fairness... I don't think what John Sokolov tweeted last night was true at this... I know it's not true at this moment. It was not true... But he didn't say he's leaving, or he said he's going to leave on Friday and doesn't have an official offer yet. But what you are led to believe from that tweet, you got to read between the lines and connect the dots, is that there has been an agreement in principle... And that an official offer will come, my guess would be either early Friday, late Saturday, or early Sunday, if indeed the offer is coming.
4: And as you the said, other news guy,
3: will come out sooner than that. Yeah. The other guy that Auburn is very seriously looking at is Hugh Freeze. Which is funny, right? The the last two of the last three Ole Miss football coaches that are Arb- Auburn's top targets. Uh, let's see here. Other messages on the ceasefire
4: text line. Well, uh, well, and to add to that, uh, a couple of things. First is the people took the tweets as refuting that, and they weren't really refuting that. They were discrediting the messenger or attacking the messenger and not really the message. If it was, in fact, completely untrue, then an official statement would have come out. That's the thing. I keep saying to people, if Lane Kiffin wanted this to end, he has the power to end it. And he is choosing not to. For whatever reason, he's choosing not to. And And he's the only person that can end it. The only person that can end it. And what what makes the, the way he acted on social media last night... And, you know, the stuff with the team today and telling them, you know, I haven't accepted anything, you'll be the first to know. All those things, when when you do that, and then you leave, it affirms every narrative that everybody has had about you. He has spent his entire time at Ole Miss talking about how he's changed, right? I learned a lot from my time at Tennessee and you've heard that for 3 years now you've heard how different everything is but here for the third year in a row he's at least talking to trying to get other jobs when a report comes out possibly earlier than he would hoped attacks that's not the right word gets on social media and drums up that kind of stuff towards the reporter is noncommittal Takes shots at his facilities yesterday in his press conference, by the way. Has a team completely unprepared to play in Fayetteville. And if you believe the reporting of multiple outlets, spent some time last week interviewing with Auburn. Not having Jimmy talk to Auburn, he talking to Auburn about program direction under the leadership of Lane Kiffin, if you believe those reports. And then leaves... It confirms what everybody thinks about him. Immature, journeyman, not wanting to establish relationships. All of that stuff that has been pushed back against will be confirmed if he acts like this and then leaves.
3: There, there are a ton of layers to, to, to peel back. Let me, let me just tell you what I think's true right now.
2: It's kind of my gimmick, they've... but go ahead. Say what? That's kind of my gimmick, but go ahead.
3: Well, then set me up for it. Richard Cross presents, these are the things that are true. Number one, he still has the opportunity to accept the offer from Ole Miss. See, I even put a number in front of it. Hey, Dad. There you go. Now you're talking right. Uh, Number one, he still has the opportunity, should he choose, to accept the offer from Ole Miss. There has been no recension of the offer. It probably would be the easiest route forward for everybody. Yeah, you'd have to do a little fence mending and a little, uh, you know, reconciling and whatnot. But he's still got the offer from Ole Miss, and it's a handsome offer. Number two. Uh, what was number two? Oh, Ole Miss has well, done. I write every- him down. Yeah, yeah, no. Old Miss has done everything it can to keep Lane Kiffin. Right? They've have, they've have said yes to basically everything that he has asked for in the 3 years that he has been in Oxford including spending a ton of money on renovating the football facility the Manning Center. Um and it's not just the administration that's done everything, the fans have kind of done everything, right? He complains about attendance, whatever. And Ole Miss has sold out all of its home SEC games. Probably not going to do that on Friday night, given the, or Thursday night, given the forecast, but the point remains the same. Number three. I think Keith Carter can put his head on the pillow tonight just fine. Knowing that, again, he's done everything that he can do. And number four, there's nothing else for Keith Carter to be doing right now other than trying to figure out who his next coach is going to be if Lane Kiffin moves on. And I believe that's exactly what he's doing right now. These four things are true. I know hey, Dad, normally gives you good. 11 you or 12, well. 11 or 12 or 13 or 15 or whatever. That's four for you.
4: Four good ones. Four for
3: you. Four. Four. And Lane I, can still take the offer from Ole Miss. Ole Miss has supported him. Keith Carter's done everything that he can do. Keith Carter is looking for new coaches to be prepared in the event that Lane Kiffin says say la vie to Ole Miss. And I mean, him staying would be the best case scenario, right? You want him to? He's a
4: good football coach, despite all this drama and all this stuff that happens to you on an annual basis. He can coach football.
3: Can I, dispel, can I dispel one rumor? Like this is the time where a million rumors float and some of them really gain traction. There was a rumor floating around yesterday that not only was Jimmy Sexton Lane Kiffin's agent, but he was also Keith Carter's agent, and therefore there was a massive conflict of interest. I did some digging today. Keith Carter doesn't have an agent. Much less he, no. So so clearly he is agent. not represented by Jimmy Sexton.
5: I'll
4: so. I'll represent him for uh for six percent of whatever an ad makes or whatever the the number is. But yeah, I think I will represent is. him for
2: five percent. I will un, I will undercut. Uh, but well, I both of four. you will
3: be above what the market charges, so probably not going to have a
2: client uh, there. My representation is worth that. I, I, I'm I'm a tough negotiator.
3: Mm. Jim Ellis will join us coming up next. He has been part of many, many, many Egg Bowls as a radio broadcaster, play-by-play, pregame analyst, and also is just a consumer of the game. We'll talk with Jim about some of his Egg Bowl memories as we move closer to the Egg Bowl, we think, on Thursday night. to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV all across the Magnolia State. Thanks for being with us this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out Favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Jim Ellis joins us right now. He has been broadcasting Mississippi State sports since 1979. He does have a little more time to uh, to probably do some other things now that he is uh, just the voice of the Mississippi State Diamond Dogs, uh, but picking up some basketball stuff in this busy time of year. Jim, always a pleasure to visit. It's been a while. How are you? I am good. Thank you. So this week... Um, so much focus on the Egg Bowl, and this matchup between Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and it always takes us down memory lane. So, so let's just start there. When when somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, get, give me an Egg Bowl memory that really stands out," uh, what pops to mind first for you? Well, I guess probably my first Egg Bowl that I ever went to. Uh,
6: I was uh, fairly—I was a young kid. I think I was about seven, maybe seven years old, and. Uh, my dad took me to a game. I didn't know one team from the other. And I remember being in the stands uh waiting for the teams to come out. And uh Ole Miss came out and I got up and and was applauding and my dad pulled me down. And he said, No, that's Ole Miss coming out of the uh <laughs> so uh so then, then Mississippi State comes out and so I get up and do it again. And you know, I don't remember much about the ball game. Ole Miss won the ball game after. I remember right, it was something like twenty six to seven or something of that nature. But uh the only thing I really remember, they had a fullback by the name of Paige Cuthberton. Ole Miss did, mm, yeah. and his socks. Everybody else had their socks that pulled up. His socks were all crumpled down around his ankles the entire ball game, and that intrigued me as a as a seven year old trying to watch a ball game that I didn't know a whole lot about. And uh, that's that's my only memory from that first ball game. But that was a uh, that was my first experience with Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I I did go to some games. I, I really I, I remember a game. Uh, I think it was in '58. Uh, uh, was a seven-seven tie, if I remember. And I remember that game very well because a, a guy named Bubba Trammell was a running back. He scored the lone Mississippi State touchdown in that ball game, and uh, and his wife taught school at the elementary school I was going to that year. So. Uh, you, you know, those are some of my earliest memories of Mississippi State football and their rivalry with Ole Miss.
7: I'm curious,
3: Jim, how it changed for you when you went from sitting alongside Jack Crystal as he was doing the play-by-play to following him in play-by-play, where it was now your responsibility to describe and chronicle the action. Did, did it change the way you watched the game or or consumed the game at all?
6: Yeah, it really did. I mean, as far as the way I watched the game, because there's there's so much more. When I, when I sat beside him, I spotted uh, Mississippi State and uh, did the uh, and then eventually we got a got a spotter. But for years, I spotted the game and also uh, was the color guy on the ball game, and which means that you had to watch a lot. And, uh that it was away from the football when you. When you do uh, some of those things, but but uh, working with Jack was was such a pleasure just to learn from him. Uh, he was his own person. He did the game the way he wanted to do it, and he did it in a style that that people really loved. Uh, he was. He, he. I told Jack uh, late in his career. I said, Jack, you you lived in the era where people loved to listen to football games, and they love what you did. And you describe the game. I still think he described uh, football games more accurately than than anybody that I've ever listened to. But but uh, but when I started doing it myself, uh, I realized I couldn't be Jack Crystal. Nobody else could. Uh, and so I just tried to. I've been doing high school. I did I just started high school games for almost uh, twenty. I think twenty eight years. So I I did a lot of high school football uh, for for years and years and years. And I hadn't had an own style of uh, trying to do the broadcast and and just tried to be myself. Um, uh, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought I was very fortunate because I broadcast the games through those Dak Prescott years, which were which were tremendous years. There were a lot of really good ball games. We uh, went to some Super Bowl games during that time. I thought I was very fortunate to be able to, to broadcast during that era.
3: You, you may have shared this before somewhere along the way, but you, you worked with Jack Crystal for a long time. And I feel like for a lot of people, Jack Crystal, they feel like they know him, and at the same time, he's this kind of larger-than-life character almost. What was what was your relationship? Was it friendship? Was it like big brother, little brother, uncle, nephew, just colleagues? How do you describe the relationship that the two of you had and, and maybe how it evolved through the years?
6: Well, I was, a, I was a little bit awed uh, with uh, with Jack at first because I didn't uh, you know I didn't really uh, really really didn't know him that well when I started, uh, but I, I began to uh, uh, you know understand him much more as as uh, as it went along. Uh, but he was good from the start. He uh, he found a place for me. He made me feel welcome. Uh, we uh, in fact we roomed together on the road for I guess. a Maybe 15, 20 years, and they start giving everybody their own room. But I mean, it was—I roomed with Jack for years and years. Uh, so we we did a lot of non-sports talking over the years. He he was a, a historian. He loved <laughs> history. Uh, he had he had fought uh, in World War II or had been in the in the in the service back and then. And uh, he, he has those memories. Uh, Jack, of course, was Jewish, and he had a strong uh, faith in the, in, in, in Judaism. And, 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 uh, and, and we talked about those kind of things, Well, we talked family, we talked all kinds of things. We had our favorite places to eat in each uh, city that we would go to. And we'd try to find that we, we had a relationship with ro- other broadcasters. That one of the things that was really special, Jack knew all the, the other broadcasters and, and he would bring me into the conversations. And I got to know, uh, uh, most of the greats in in, the, in that era of football and we had a bucket full of them in the southeastern conference and and that was a lot of fun but but jack was uh he, he gave me advice from time to time and it was good advice and uh, we didn't agree on everything but we had some, uh, <laughs> some great arguments and uh but but he was he's one of the best storytellers i've ever heard and he had of course i had heard all of his stories after about 10 years and <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't need them, but he had, he had great stories. He could embellish your story and just have you sitting there uh, eating out of the palm of his hand. Uh, a great storyteller and uh, uh just a, you know, just a genuine person. Uh, and we always, uh, I always cherished the fact that I felt like that he considered me a friend. I certainly considered him a friend, and um, and we got along well, and, and we did throughout uh, throughout the history of our career.
2: Jim, be it be it a game that you called as a color commentator or or as the play by play announcer for Mississippi State, and not necessarily the full game, but is there a moment in the Egg Bowl that stands out to you from all the games that you called?
6: I th- I think there, there there's there's a bunch, but but if I wanted to pull a couple, uh, I I think uh, that that one that I would pull. Uh, was the uh, ball game that we were trailing Ole Miss? Uh, I think it may have been. Uh, I can't remember the year right now, but I think I think it, I think we were trailing Ole Miss in nineteen ninety. Must have been the ninety eight or ninety nine season, uh, right in there. And uh, it looked like uh, we we've gotten a couple of big plays, uh, gotten back into the ball game when it looked like it was as about over. Uh, had tied it up. Ole Miss had the football, trying to throw the pass down the field. Ball got, uh, really batted up in the air. I think it actually kicked up in the air on the, uh, on the defensive play on the sideline. Return it deep enough and then kicked the field goal to end the ball game and come away with a victory. I think it was, what, 24, uh, maybe 24 21 ball game. But it was, uh, it was an unbelievable ball game. Uh, and the ending was, uh, it, it, Ole Miss had pretty well dominated the game, and then Mississippi State owned the fourth quarter and won the game. That that game always will stick out in my mind. Another game that, to me, was a really interesting game, well, I think 2013, uh, when Dak Prescott came back from injury mm. and got the ball club down the field, got a ball game tied up. We go into overtime, uh, gets the, the win in or gets the lead in overtime at 17-10, to and then Ole Miss uh, gets stripped of the football. It bounces into the end zone. It rolled forward into the end zone, bounced in the end zone. Mississippi State grabbed it and stepped over the uh, end zone line out of the rear of the end zone to end the ball game. thought that was a dramatic way to close out a ball game, and Mississippi wins. State won that one 17-10 in overtime. Now, those two games really jump out at me as, as big moments on the Mississippi State side. The other one is the Artie Cosby kick. I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, I think it was 83. Uh, we had dominated Ole Miss the entire ball ballgame, uh, I think had rolled up a well over 400 yards and held Ole Miss to like 150 in the game. Uh, but uh, some things happened. Ole Miss um, had gotten the, the lead in the contest, and then Cosby had a game-winning field goal set up and I, when he hit it i knew it was it was going and, and i could tell from jack's uh voice that he knew it was going and then suddenly uh, a big uh, I, I it was blowing a, a ton of wind was really blowing and it looked like it got an extra hard gust of wind and blew it right out from between the uprights and it just sort of uh took a swan dive to to the to the uh, turf outside the goalpost over on the left side and i I think that was the sickest feeling I've had in one of those ball games. Uh, that hey, that was uh, you know defeat snatched out of the arms of victory right there. But th- those would be some moments that that I'll remember always uh, about the series.
3: Jim, our time is always too short. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon.
6: Okay, real good. Good to talk with.
1: You. Come on, Super Talk Mississippi. Check the fire. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi.
3: To Jim Ellis, will be, will former be. radio play-by-play voice of all of Mississippi State sports, and uh, currently the voice of the Diamond Dogs, Mississippi State baseball since nineteen seventy-nine, an absolute gentleman, kind to uh, spend a few minutes with us this afternoon talking about some of his memories and uh, even his relationship with uh, with Jack Crystal as well. That was fun.
2: Huh.
3: Talking to us from Florida, he's
2: down there, like you mentioned. Uh with Neil up here getting ready to do the uh, the Egg Bowl, he's down at uh, Fort Myers with the basketball team. Yeah.
3: And made the – so did he go to Marquette? Or no, that, that game is, that, is
2: in, it's in okay, Florida. Okay, that
3: one was in Florida. They're, they're, they're in a tournament. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was thinking that that was two different stops along the way. Because he made a – State had a road game a week or so ago that Jim did. On the road, right? The Akron game, yeah. In Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It there gets you. buried
4: because yeah. basketball in November gets buried, but a pretty spicy win last night.
2: It, you, you, have you seen Major League where you have that scene where they're all sitting there like, yeah, these guys aren't that bad. That's where I am right now. It's like, they're not that bad. 50, they're, they're playing 55. hard. D, yeah, defensively, they're very solid. they they, they got to get better shooting. I mean, they missed 10 free throws in a three-point game. That'll drive you crazy. But they are a much better basketball product to watch than they were a season ago, even with the poor shooting.
3: Hey, um, a second ago I said I have a rumor to dispel. May I call on you to dispel a rumor as well that I'm sure you have heard? If I can, that is- if I, can I will floating around Mike Leach, stepping down, following the Egg Bowl because of health issues? I, I've seen that in a bunch of different places. I've heard places. it. I've
2: seen it. To my knowledge, there's no truth to it.
3: Do you, where do you think it originated?
2: Hope. <laughs> I think there there is a section of Mississippi State fans who believe that Mike Leach is not the answer and are looking forward to you know hustling him out, and so they have created a rumor. Now, I preface all this with you know, when Joe Moorhead got, got canned, I was one of the last ones to find out. You know, kind of started so, out as
3: a rumor, and then it blossomed from there. Started out it?
2: as a rumor, and the next thing you know, I'm at a press conference, so we'll see. But to my knowledge, Mike Leach has no plans to, to leave Mississippi State uh, after this season.
4: Very well. And that, we've heard that earlier this year, too, right? And unless it's something serious, we've seen people walk away with serious health issues, and you hope it's not that. But remember, like, after week four or five, we were getting texts like, I heard Mike Leach just is done and wants to retire. Like, you think he's going to walk away from $16 million for, without scandal? You think he's just going to say, you know what? I don't want that 16000000 million. I'm good. I'm just going to leave now? No. It's a significant amount of money to say no to. Usually that happens when you don't want people digging more into why things are the
3: way they are. It's rare that somebody leaves that much money on the table. So, yeah, well, uh, like I said, I'm just not I, expecting it. it, it, it not nor I, am I, but it, it's floating ma'am. around out there, so I just thought I would ask you uh, as well. Um... What uh Vorky, what did you tell me in the break a second ago? Uh
4: you've got uh Auburn or at least one Auburn player that is taking their name out of the transfer portal. Uh Landon King, the tight end, hit the portal on November first today, has taken his name out of the transfer portal and will remain at Auburn. At least for now Tight ends are a big part of the Kiffin offense, so you know. It's if nothing else, it's just another thing, right? It's just another thing between John's tweet and and it's just all the stuff that is happening, and I, like we talked about a little bit yesterday, just with the guest lineup, we we couldn't really go into it. It's very easy to to do the pro mindset. We don't talk about this because we want our kids to be pros. Well, guess what? They're not. Some of them get paid NIL money, but Jackson Dart, for example, is 19 years old. I don't know how he's feeling. He could be the happiest kid on earth or the saddest kid on earth or somewhere in between. I don't know. But just as a human being, Jackson Dart was at USC last year, right? Starting quarterback by the end of the year. Playing pretty well. Had a lot of things going. Had a good friend group. I imagine as a college student living in Los Angeles for free is probably pretty sweet. But his coach is gone. And then a new guy comes in and brings a quarterback with him. So now he's got to pick up and go somewhere else to keep playing, and he doesn't know where that place is. And now, anytime he pulls up social media or goes to class or talks to a friend, it's, is Lane leaving? So now he's either got to, A, hope a new coach in Oxford does not bring a quarterback with him, or pick up and move again. And you're telling me that a 19-year-old kid can just block that out and be
3: just fine? No, he's a human. Yeah. Four o'clock hour is coming your way. More guests on the way and plenty more to talk about as we get closer and closer to the Egg Bowl. Thanksgiving night, just about 50 hours from right now. Sports Talk Mississippi will be right back.
4: this the egg bowl this series started in 1901 but it was so bloody there were so many fights between players and students and fans that both schools got together and decided that maybe if they could award a trophy of some nature it could calm
3: this series down and so they made a gold shaped football back in 1927 and that's why they call this the egg bowl the winner gets that trophy Trophy doesn't look a lot like a football. It looks a lot like an egg. Hence the egg bowl. I suppose you you may be more more educated in the history of the trophy itself than I. But I assume the original intent was for that to be a football on top, right?
2: Yeah, that's the old timey football. Yeah, yeah. Were they really that
3: fat? Oh, just because I use the word fat doesn't mean I'm making a joke about you. That's our word. You can't say it. It was a chubby football. Chubby? As opposed to an elongated football. Why just call it portly, huh? It was a portly football. It was an overstuffed football. It was an overfed football.
2: I'm going to be overstuffed and overfed after Thanksgiving dinner at the crosshouse. I promise you that.
3: Oh, turkeys uh, in the brine yeah. about two
2: hours ago. Very good. Uh, yes, it, it it's just an old time. Yes, they were. You ever seen the picture of those guys trying to throw the ball with their shot, putting it out there? Yeah,
3: I guess that's a good point. Do you brine turkeys? I do not. You should. I don't have the
2: space for that. I don't have a gigantic cooler like that. Oh no! I all he needs a
4: five gallon bucket. Refrigerator. Well, depending on how big. I don't your have a five is, gallon bucket. You don't have a five gallon bucket? I have like seven of those
3: things.
2: Well, let me have one.
4: I'll give you one.
2: You can brine, I'm to say tur- I'll brine turkeys. There next are places
3: here. you can get a five gallon bucket without just a whole. I lot don't. I don't. Br- I don't brine turkeys, so I don't need one. Yeah, but you need one for all that time you're doing yard work. Again. <laughs> Don't really have a what need for need? a
1: five-gallon bucket, do you?
3: <laughs> what, what, what yard work are you
2: doing or you need a five-gallon bucket? Oh, who knows? What's, you need what, to carry stuff around.
4: I, I guess. I'll give you an example. I've I've filled some holes in my yard recently, and I, I put uh, sand and soil and stuff and had to mix it in the bucket and carried it around with me to, to fill up the, the sinkholes that have essentially filled in my yard. Hmm. And, well, there you go.
3: Not activities that Brian didn't well, get is some going sink to be holes,
2: in. If I get some sinkholes in my yard, I'll go down to Lowe's and get a, a five-gallon bucket. I'm you sure know, they have I, them there.
3: I kind of felt like the ultimate old man yard guy, not too terrible. I bought a garden cart. Like I've always been a wheelbarrow guy. Good friend borrowed my wheelbarrow, and when it when it returned, it the whole thing was cracked. And anyway, it, it, I hadn't had a wheelbarrow for a while, and so I went to get another wheelbarrow, and I decided instead to buy the garden cart. It's been fairly useful so it's far. Time- Oh, you get a lot of run I think out. Of you start there,
2: wearing huh? black socks
3: and tennis shoes. Is that wrong? No, you're just old man. Yeah, yeah. Sports talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Man, today, tomorrow, beautiful days to get out on the golf course. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Dancing Rabbit Golf, two 18-hole golf courses, championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Both absolutely gorgeous. Again, dancingrabbitgolf.com. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire Text line. 601-879-4395. 601 4395 Want to give your business the edge? Get Gigabit Fiber Internet backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire Country. Um, check, them on, check them out online at com slash business. Here's where I think we are on the Lane Kiffin thing. We don't know, and we're not going to know till after the ballgame. But here's what we do know. We do know he's either staying at Ole Miss or going to Auburn. If he stays at Ole Miss, then this next line of conversation no. No. is pointless.
4: No chance
2: what? for Texas A&M to pull a Florida and show up at the last
4: second there. Well, well, guess what? I mean, it, the same thing's going to happen next year. It's just it's a. This is what you get when you hire Lane Kiffin, though. You know, or, or should have known that, you know, this was going to be an annual thing. It will get to a point, even if he stays, where people are just absolutely fed up uh, with the wandering eye. Because the only reason why this one is different, I had somebody ask me earlier. Well, why why does everybody seem mad now? Because the other school actually is interested in him. Unlike Miami and LSU last year, who didn't want him, even though he wanted them, Auburn actually wants him, to some degree. That's what makes this different, and more damaging, and toxic, and real. What's, what's especially fascinating to me is because Auburn has not issued a formal offer. Now, depending on who's doing the reporting and if you believe them or not, Auburn is working out the contract, getting all the approvals for all the money and stuff like that, but they haven't given it to Jimmy to give to him to sign it. If you're Auburn, and you watch how this has been handled, and you see what happened last night, and you know about the fact that he won't do anything to try to build a relationship with any of you people, none of you, won't even try, so don't expect it. Do you start getting cold feet? we really going to give $100 million to this guy? He can't handle a report on Twitter. Very Hugh Freeze-like. Well, we're also considering Hugh Freeze. But does that turn Auburn and the people that are going to write the $100 million check, does that turn them off?
2: I say no, because at the end of the day, all Auburn cares is winning about winning football games, and Lane Kiffin does that. they, they could probably care less about the rest of this stuff. As long uh, if he's going to come in, get players, and win games, they don't really care that much.
3: Yeah, you know, probably it doesn't initially turn them off, but you know, we'll see. I mean, these things have a lifespan. I think most people, when Ole Miss hired Lane Kiffin, if they were being honest, said, yeah, you probably get three, four, maybe five years out of it. Hey, Dad, we, we talked about it this morning a little bit. You said three or four, right? Yeah. This is three.
2: No, I said, I said two. I said I thought, like last year, I really thought that he was going to go to
3: LSU. Yeah, and, and given the opportunity, he would have, but he didn't get that opportunity. He didn't. Right. He would have knocked it out of the park right. at LSU for, for for some amount of time. So, so here's where I was going with this, though. I, I said to you earlier, uh, when, when I ripped off hate ads, these are the things that are true. These things are true. I never get it exactly right and, and number them just like he, he did. Yeah, right
2: the first time. Go ahead.
3: But these are the things that are true. Mm-hmm. That Keith Carter has done all that he can do. Like, literally, there's nothing else that he can do other than wait. But it seems like it would be foolish for Keith Carter to just go sit in a deer stand this afternoon and wait. So what's Keith Carter doing right now? I have to believe that he is preparing for the possibility that Lane Kiffin is no longer his coach in 72 to 96 hours. So today is the 22nd of November the transfer portal window opens on December 5th, there's not a lot of time in there. There's a lot that would have to happen if Lane Kiffin leaves Ole Miss. So the question is, where do you go next? I'm really interested to hear from you on the ceasefire text line. If you're an Ole Miss fan and Lane Kiffin leaves, who would you want to be your next coach? There's not, there's not a Lane Kiffin 2.0, right? You're, you're not going and hiring a, another version of Lane Kiffin. So who would you want to be the coach? And, and the question is, is twofold. One, who would you want? And two, who would get you excited? Names are coming in. The absolute first name that pops up on the ceasefire text line is Freeze. It, now we're talking.
4: It's important that we can just say this, so it's not happening. So move on. You, you can text it all day. You can tweet it. You can post it on your message boards. <laughs> it's not happening. It's not going to happen. So something more realistic, please.
3: There we go. Let's let's holy cow. I do, you know. Holy cow.
4: If I was sitting in Keith Carter's shoes, Luke Fickle would be my first guy. And it may not happen. Apparently, if you believe people, he's got his eyes on like Ohio State and and will possibly wait it out until that comes. But you can offer him, with what you are offering Kiffin, $4 million a year more than what he's currently making. And Cincinnati's about to make the jump to the Big 12, and they won't have the NIL capabilities that you do. Now, the league is much more difficult than the Big 12, no doubt, but you can get him on the phone, at least, to listen to $4 million a year more in salary before you move on to candidate number two. He would listen to your phone call. He may tell you no, but what's the worst that's going to happen? He tells you no. Okay,
3: so what? But that's where I would start. Let me go through about 100 text messages that have popped up. Well, I'm not going to have time to do that. We'll do that when we come back, right? Or is, is Neil Price next? Price is next. Neil's coming right. up next. Neil Price next. We'll pick this up in about 20 minutes. Sports Talk Mississippi. Be right back.
1: Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Neil Price is the radio play-by-play voice of Mississippi State football and Mississippi State basketball. I'm a little disappointed, Neil, that you didn't pull the jet out of the hangar and just fly back and forth to Florida and get a football game in the mix and get you another basketball game I don't know, man. I'm not sure about the work ethic.
7: Well, there are some things that I can't control. And (laughs) if it were up to me, I absolutely would have gone. Uh, Now, good news is, is, you know, Jim is willing to travel, and he still enjoys doing these things. And I'm sure glad that he's around and still willing to help. And I was like a lot of other state people. I was uh, by the radio last night and had the game on TV listening to Jim and Coach Williams and, you know, uh, watching them pull out another gutsy win uh, against another team that played in the tournament, you know, a year ago. So I'm excited for, for the team, and, and I'm certainly excited that Jim and, and Coach are there to see it and be part of it. And I'll be back soon enough, you know. Um, but, yeah, again, some things, not my decision.
3: I understand that. I, I do, and I'm just giving you a little bit of a hard time. And there's plenty of basketball, right? You, you, you will absolutely get your fix of basketball here before long. Uh, I, I always enjoy visiting with you leading up to the Egg Bowl. You've always been kind with your time on this as well. And it's possible that I've asked you this before, so forgive me if we have. Um, you, you are a relative newcomer to the Mississippi State Ole Miss football Festival, whatever we want to call it, the Egg Bowl. Um, but you observed it from a distance for a long time. So wh- what did you think coming into this as a broadcaster prior to being the broadcaster? And, and what have you since learned?
7: Well, I think coming into it, you know, I, I certainly understood that it meant something to, to just about every single person who lived in the state. And... In 17, when I first got here and we got closer and closer to that first game uh, at the end of that year, I think I got a really clear understanding of exactly how much when, you know, you've got people on both sides who have, you know, stickers that they're wearing, you know, that, you know, beat Team X or beat Team Y, you know, or or whatever, and, and, you know, you've got a good crowd at the game, and, and then you see the players get out there and play, and, the intensity that, that they play with in, in a game like that, and pretty easy to see. Um, you know, the only thing I could compare it to uh, coming in was, uh, you know, I was a part of Kentucky and Louisville for, um, golly, 12 years, you know, in, in yeah. just about every sport. And this is, this is nothing like that. I, I mean, you know, Kentucky and Louisville, for as bitter as it could be, it didn't have anything on state and Ole Miss. Um, Only other things I could compare it to growing up in East Tennessee, Tennessee and Florida, and, you know, I'm old enough to be at the age that Tennessee and Alabama was a big deal, even when one had the upper hand for a decade or, or more over the other. That was still always the big game, but that was much more of a, a gentleman's rivalry or mutual respect or something like that, and I don't know that that's always been the case with what I've seen in this game either. So it's Hmm. interesting. It's a unique animal, Um, and, you know, we we do it once a year. We get together on Thanksgiving, and we all give thanks for the opportunity, I guess, to tell the other how much we can't stand them.
3: (laughs) I know that's
2: what Brian Haynes does. That's exactly That's exactly what I'm going to do Thursday when I get to Richard's house, Neil. I'm just going to walk in and be like, Richard, you so-and-so. Neil, you got to call maybe the craziest, I mean, and that's saying something in this rivalry, but maybe the craziest moment of all time in 2019 with Elijah Moore and everything that happened there. Walk us through from him scoring the touchdown to the, the missed extra point how a broadcaster handles a moment like that, which can hardly be explained.
7: There's no page for it in the handbook, Um, you know, and I guess what I'd tell you, having done two of them at that point is, okay, it's just going to be a normal game. Nothing crazy or bonehead is going to happen. But in the back of your mind, you're like, oh yeah, it is. Because that's what this is. Um, So, to say that you weren't expecting the unexpected, uh, I-, I think I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that. But at the same time, you're thinking about the moment in the game and what it could mean in terms of the decision for Matt Luke at that point. Okay, so does he go for two on the road to try to win the game from the two or the three, or does he, you know, d- does he take the point try to get to overtime? And then it just kind of becomes a moot point all the way around because now you're talking about a long extra point that, that never works out. And I remember, I remember the pure joy from that state bench when that extra point went wide. Every player on that bench ran onto the field. To the point now you're talking about, okay, a 15-yard penalty. And I work with two state guys dyed in the wool on, on the radio and how excited those two guys were to the point that I had to kind of step in and be the bad guy there and go, now, wait a minute here. You know, we got an onside kick coming. We got to sort this out. There's still time. you know, so you're trying to sort through all that in the midst of what is just pure chaos on the field. Um, never been a part of anything quite like it. And if I do this for another forty two, if I do it for another let's say twenty five years, um I don't know that I'll ever see anything quite like it again. The odds tell you I won't. Um yeah, crazy. Uh and then yeah, and I will say this for the coaches involved in, in the game now, um, Mike Leach and and, and Lane Kiffin. I do think that it has it has a degree of civility to it now that was not there um, when I first got here. I think Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke tried to a degree, um, but I just think anytime you get you get people together who have been in this state as long as a lot of the players in this game have, and they've had people in their ears who have been around the rivalry as long as they have. You know, you can try your best to tone down the noise and, and the rhetoric and the vitriol and everything else, and sometimes it's just going to happen, you know. Um, but I think that's the reason people watch. To people on the outside, I think that's why they watch. They want to see what's going to happen. Yeah.
3: A couple of minutes left with Neil Price, the uh, voice of Mississippi State athletics football and, uh, and men's basketball. Neil, when you, you look at this Mississippi State team, there have been moments this year where, where you've looked at it and you're like, wow, they look really, really good. Uh, defense has consistently kind of been in that category. Offense at times has been there. Uh, and then there are times where it has not looked good offensively. What's important for Mississippi State in your mind on Thursday night if they're going to walk away with a win and feeling like, you know what, it looked good tonight?
7: Well, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm parroting everything Mike Leach says, but the more I talk to him, the more I understand it. While it may sound simple and Coach speak to a lot of people, there is some real wisdom in what he says, and there's a reason why he says it. And, and what I would tell you is I really think it comes down to can State's players on both sides of the ball and on special teams, can they do their job the very best they can, and can they do their job to their full potential one play after another over the course of four hours? Because the the, the issue is, if you go back and look at the games where they didn't play well, you, you can see some moments where there was some doubt, and maybe you got guys who assign value to how important this particular play is, or they get caught obsessing about what didn't go right the last play, uh, and, and then all of a sudden you get in a funk and the next thing you know, you've given up back-to-back bad plays. You're way behind the chains and you kill the drive. I, I think all that stuff applies in a game like this. Um, applies in every game for that fact. So I think it's really that simple, you know, because you're playing against a really good team. I mean, you know, Ole Miss got really good players on both sides. They've got some good folks on special teams. Uh, you know, so, I mean, they're going to make their share of plays. When they do, if you're state, can you just put it behind you and play the next play? I, I think that, that's a big part of it.
3: You know, Brian, Haydad wanted you to say run the ball. That, that That's what Haydad wanted to hear you say. <laughs> that that was
7: what was going to be important. <laughs> Everybody, you know, everybody's kind of in that camp. And, uh, you know, I mean, the thing about Mike Leach is this. You never know. You never know. I, I, I have been around him enough that I feel confident saying that He's comfortable in his own skin with regard to his offense, his system, and what he wants to do. But you never know. I mean, I've seen games before. I think back to, um, golly, I mean, I think back to that bowl game in, in Tulsa uh, or against Tulsa when they beat them in Armed Forces Bowl uh, in 20, thinking they hadn't run the ball much all year. And they came out and ran the ball and ran it with some success. You know, I mean, they've done it at different times this year. Maybe they will, but only one person knows if that's going to happen or not, and that's the guy who's calling the plays. And that's none right. of us know what he's thinking right now, you know?
3: Neil, thanks as always for your time. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I look forward to uh, seeing you soon.
7: Same to you guys.
3: That's Neil Price on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be back.
1: You're your hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? This yes. is. Yeah. Awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, mom, the way you move will make you sweat, gonna make you i not thing,
3: gonna make you burn, gonna make you stay. Johnson sent me a message, says Southern Miss just wanted Cancun, and they are off to a 5-0 start in basketball this year. The Basketbirds, undefeated. The Basket oh, Birds. There you go.
4: Hey, uh, print it on a t-shirt, Luke. fellas. Do what? Uh, print it on a t-shirt. Yeah. Southern Miss. Uh, just oh. intellectual property stays with me. I have tried to make the New Orleans Basketbirds a thing and it's not picking up. So maybe I'll just go, you know, hour and a half north to Hattiesburg. And and make the basket birds work there. There you go,
3: basket birds, marketing idea. Um, them. somebody sent us what they called a million dollar idea earlier on the uh, text line. This obviously is hinging on, um, Lane Kiffin not being the head coach. And what was it? It was gone from the sip. Yes, <laughs> P- putting. Putting those on T-shirts and what might sell. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll I want one that says LFG to Auburn. Uh, <laughs> so I threw out, uh, before we talked with Neil Price, you're an old Miss fan, and Lane Kiffin leaves. Who would you want to be your next coach? Who would excite you as a coach with the understanding that there is not a Lane Kiffin 2.0? I think I got all the names here. These are, I think, the ones that came in. Deion Sanders, Matt Rule, Todd Munkin, Sonny Dykes, Hugh Freeze, Mike Leach, Mike Gundy, Dave Aranda, Phil Longo, Kendall Bryle, Steve Spurrier Jr., Bobby Petrino, (laughs) Kane Womack, Luke Fickle, Jamie Chadwell, Gus Malzahn, Mike Norvell, John Sumrall, and Jeff Levy. I think those are all the names that came in. So, I just wrote all of them down. By some of those names, I just wrote no. Like, complete non-starter, it's not happening, just we're wasting our time. By some of the names, I wrote down a question mark, and I put a star by some names. So the no's, freeze, no. Leach, no. Longo, no. Kendall Bryles, no. Steve Spurrier, Jr., no. Bobby Petrino, no. Kane Womack, no. John Summerall, no. Now, those last two, if you fast-forwarded four years, Kane Womack, John Summerall could be very viable candidates for a job opening. But neither has ever been a head coach at the Power 5 level. They're both still relatively new. John Summerall's in his first year at Troy. Kane Womack's in his first or second year at South Alabama. Second year, I think. That, that's yeah, not he's,
2: he's hiring the same cycle as Will Hall, I think, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that, so, so, yeah, so so those two, two aren't happening, but those are not bad names by, by any stretch. John Sumrall is likely going to be the head coach at Kentucky one day, and Kane Womack's going to have an opportunity. He's going to have an opportunity probably before too terribly long. I don't think jumping into an SEC job as his first Power 5 head coaching job is likely. So those are the ones that say, I marked Did you at, say Mike Leach, no? Yes, I said no on Mike Leach. Oh, sorry. That would just be hilarious. but. Go ahead. Uh, Next to Levy, I actually used a different designation. I said doubtful. And the reason I said doubtful here, because I I don't think it would ever get to the point of of hiring a Jeff Levy for a lot of reasons. But the reason I said doubtful instead of just no is because if when he was still with the program a year ago, if Lane Kiffin had left, had gone to LSU or Miami or the – Las Vegas Raiders, hmm. then – sorry, I cracked myself up on that one. Uh, then Jeff Levy likely would have been named head coach. Probably would have been the case a year ago. But now he's the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, kind of left on a little bit of a weird vibe, has said some things since then that make you go, meh. And Oklahoma has pretty dramatically – Underachieved. So, that's why I say doubtful under levy. Alright, so here are the question mark names. Some names that, like, huh, maybe. Gus Malzahn's a question mark. I lean toward a no, but it's quite... I mean, there, there are crazier ideas than Gus Malzahn. I don't think that would be... I mean, you'd have to go way down your list to get there. Jamie Chadwell is a question mark. I think there are a lot of people that like Jamie Chadwell and think he is going to be a really good coach. I don't think that's the neighborhood that Ole Miss is looking in. I don't. If you're using a buying a house example, that that's not the neighborhood that Ole Miss is shopping for houses in.
4: Yeah. It- Uh, You know, know, I stand for Jamie. I've seen too many people and and heard too many people say things like, he runs a gimmick offense. You don't watch it. You don't watch it. It it is hell to prepare for. It is intricate and effective. It is not gimmicky. And it's not the triple option either. It's balanced and it it creates so many mismatches and his culture is really good. But the downside is... That's his biggest job he's ever had. That's the yeah. biggest school he's ever coached at. Ne- right. Never coached right. it even as an assistant in the Power Five. It's North Greenville, which is a small Division Two school. He wanted an unprecedented level there, but still. Charleston Southern wanted an unprecedented level there, tiny school in Coastal Carolina. So there's the lacking experience there, but I think he would win.
3: But I think you could do better. Yeah. Uh, my other question marks, uh, Mike Gundy. That just feels unlikely. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a really good football coach. They've been decimated by injuries this year. Uh, but but sure. Not likely, but Okay. I put a question mark next to Sonny Dykes, and the reason I put a question mark there is because he's only in his first year at TCU. They're having an insane amount of success, and he's a Texas guy, like state of Texas guy. Feels like it would be really hard to pull Sonny Dykes. And then I put a question mark next to Todd Munkin's name. Pretty successful everywhere he's been. Success in the NFL as a coordinator. Obvious success at Georgia as a coordinator. Uh, success at Southern Miss as a head coach. But I don't know that you get there. So these are the six names, five names, that I put a star next to. No particular order. Dion Sanders, Matt Rule, Dave Aranda, Luke Fickle, Mike Norvell. Ooh, Norvell's interesting. Might have been Ole Miss's first choice last time around. Went to Florida State, inherited a mess stepped on his own toes a little bit along the way, persevered, and now he's got Florida State playing really good football.
4: I, I would love to know, and and he would never tell anybody because that would be stupid, I would love to know what Keith Carter's thinking about the type of person. like Because as you said earlier, there is not another Lane Kiffin out there. People are obsessed with splash. you got to go make a splash. There isn't another splash like him. He's a very unique guy. You're not going to hire him. It's not going to happen. There's not another one of him out there. So if you go the Dave Aranda route, which I would assume is quite realistic. Ole Miss is a better job than Baylor, probably by a pretty hefty margin. They could pay more. He is the exact opposite of Lane Kiffin. Literally in every way you can imagine, he is the exact opposite. He's a defensive guy, not an offensive guy. Doesn't use social media for anything. Is not a troll. He is very, where Lane Kiffin's animated, on the sidelines and stuff, Dave Aranda's, the the most interesting thing about him is, is how statuesque he is on the sidelines. When things are bad and when things are good. He never gets excited. He never gets mad. And he would be more involved with people, if that makes sense he wouldn't be resistant to making connections
3: in the area. Yeah. Total opposite. So, Matt Rule proven success at the college level, right?
4: Built Temple Baylor from the...
3: Well, he, he, first he built Temple from the ground up. Temple was bad before Matt Rule. He's the one that kind of got that thing going. I remember it was Matt Rule, and then it was Al Golden, and then it was what, Manny Diaz for like... A week. Do I have the order wrong? It
2: Was Al Golden first? Yeah, and then Matt Rule, Rule, and then Diaz took over, and then Jeff Collins, after Diaz left one week later.
3: Right, and then Jeff Collins left shortly thereafter, and yeah, George um,
2: Tech should blame Matt Rule for the Jeff
3: Collins hire. Well, okay, fair enough. Um, prior to Temple, Matt Rule was what assistant head coach of the New York Giants. And then goes back to the NFL, clearly doesn't work in the NFL. And, you know, you'll see. You'll see about the college piece.
4: Temple has three 10-win seasons in program history. Two of them were Matt Rule, and the other one was in
3: 1979. Mm. Let's talk about the name, though, that would generate more buzz Than any other name that is out there when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Glad to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon.
1: Check this out Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us. you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. As a state fan, Dave Aranda would be a home run hire. I love the way he runs his program, and I would love him at state. Uh, also, uh, Chase says, my worst nightmare, I've been driving the Dave Aranda bus for well over a year now. Um. Good coach. Good coach. Yeah, he is. He, he really is. So I said, let's talk about the most exciting name out there, and the most. When I say most exciting name out there, I'm talking about the name that would generate more buzz and more reaction than any other. It's already coaching in the state of Mississippi, and it's Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. I believe that. I feel like we're putting the caveat on here over and over and over if Lane Kiffin leaves, because I suppose there is still a scenario where Lane Kiffin doesn't leave. But if Lane Kiffin leaves, Deion Sanders absolutely will be on the list of names that Ole Miss really, really explores. If there ends up being an opening at Ole Miss, I would be shocked if Ole Miss did not attempt to interview Deion Sanders for that job, so what do you what do you make of that? What would the reaction among fans be? What would the upside be? What would the downside potentially be? All of that stuff is stuff that would be talked about. The
4: upside is very simple: he would get players. He would get players that Ole Miss has never gotten before, including the Hugh Freeze era where he cheated his behind off to sign two top ten classes in five years. You would get players like you've never gotten before. Every, I say every, almost every quality player would pick up the phone if Ole Miss called because of Coach Braun. And if you think that I'm crazy, look at what he was able to do to Jackson State. He would get players. And he would generate buzz and interest in your program in the marketing era of college football where attention and money is what's going to lead to wins. He would bring you both in spades. Immediate, everyday national coverage of Ole Miss football. Immediate. With him on your sidelines and players to follow. But... He's only been a head coach at the FCS level.
3: C Spire text line. Kevin says, with Sanders, I feel like he would need experienced coordinators. Oh, yeah, I think that would absolutely be part of the conversation. right? I mean, if if you interview Deion Sanders and you go down that road, then you're having a conversation about what his staff would look like. But you know what? You have a conversation of what a staff would look like with every coach that you talk to. Um, Hunter in Columbus says Sanders would recruit great at Ole Miss But Coach O recruited well at Ole Miss too Not like that Not even anywhere close to what Deion Sanders would do Here's one that says I would be jealous if Ole Miss got Dion. I'd curl into a ball and hide If Ole Miss got Dion." That's from a different number I, I don't know if that's Who that person is a fan of Um Chase and Amory says, I've been a diehard Ole Miss fan my entire life. If Deion Sanders is hired, I will no longer follow Ole Miss football. Why, Chase? Uh, Chase in Columbus says, Deion Sanders would get players and would bring the best assistant coaches that have ever worked there. Okay. Um Prime is as close to LK2.0 as there is. Bring it on. And I would encourage you to,
4: if... If you only know him based on the persona or like the way he acted on the field as a player, just pull up Google or YouTube and look up his team meetings. I mean, the Barstool guys filmed basically everything he did in that program for two years. Listen to
3: him talk to his players. He's impressive. There's substance there. Let me take you a step beyond that. I've actually talked with some people about Deion Sanders in the event that this is a possibility. And they've said that there are two versions of Deion Sanders. There is the kind of the public version with his team that you see, and then there's the -the behind-the-scenes version. And the -the behind-the-scenes version that you don't see with Deion Sanders is one of extreme organization, of incredible business savvy, and... A really, really bright guy. And I'm not saying that those things don't come through personal, but, but he has a little bit different tone in the public where he's got the gold chains going and 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 kind of the flash and the bling that's with it. There is a serious guy behind that. The other thing I'll share with you quickly, TCU interviewed him just kind of for giggles before they hired Sonny Dykes, and they came away so impressed that they almost hired him, not expecting to.
0: The officials decided after some discussion with both coaches and with the group of themselves, there would be no ejections, and both coaches sighed a relief there. They're going to let these guys go at it from here on, but there were some ugly moments in that pregame fight, but it was so widespread they didn't feel like that they could uh, adequately adjudicate any penalties to either side, so they let them both go as they are.
3: appreciate any time a broadcaster works in. They didn't feel that they could adequately adjudicate. That's. Uh... Jack Crystal used adjudicate on a fairly regular basis, didn't he, when he talked about the officials deciding on penalties? I'm sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. The officials said to adjudicate the proceedings. Sports talk, Mississippi. I'm still with laughing. You.
2: I'm still laughing about David Kellum telling us about the punter from yesterday because I knew exactly who he was talking about. And it's, it's just so funny. What
3: year are we talking?
2: 08. Who's the punter? Blake McAdams. Mm. Okay.
3: I'm, I'm if, positive that's who he's talking about. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com and uh, you can also visit men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi that carry Genteel stores like Abraham's in Indianola, The Willander in Brandon, Mile 363 in Natchez, Sappington & Company in New Albany, Abraham's in Cleveland, Claude Julian's in Kosciuszko, MLM in Tupelo, and of course when you are in Oxford, you can visit Landry's on the square to get your Genteel merchandise. But you can also go to their website, genteelapparel.com, Check out the collegiate collection, Old Miss gear, state gear, Southern Miss gear, and many, many other schools. If you're looking for cold weather gear, they've got that. Great selection of vests, some super warm stuff. They will take care of you at Gentile Apparel, just like they do us. Genteel Apparel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. I've got one of the uh, Gentile pullovers on today. It's, uh, it's like a blue and white pinstripe. It has kind of a powder blue look to it. Super comfortable, and uh, they look good as well. So, uh check out gentil and uh you will be glad that you did we're coming to you from the pearl river resort studios pearl river resort it's the home of the sports book at the golden moon casino visit pearlriverresort.com you can be a part of the conversation on the Spire text line you know the number 6018794395 time right now the college football fix College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Check out the F-150, F-Series, 45 years as the best-selling trucks in America. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Let's talk about this game for a few minutes. This matchup. Hey, I do not. uh There are two things that I think we would be foolish to boil it down to. I think Ole Miss being distracted as your only reason for thinking that Mississippi State wins the game would probably be a foolish assumption. Similarly, I think the weather being awful as an automatic win for Ole Miss because of their ground game, period, end of sentence, also would be a foolish assumption. However, in both of those cases... There's something there, right? Clearly, there's a lot going on around the Ole Miss program that has nothing to do with the game itself. So let's start there. How big a deal do you believe that is for Mississippi State?
2: I mean, it was a big deal in 2017. You know, I I feel like you know Dan Mullen and and had that program or had that team didn't have him prepared, and he wasn't his head was not in the game. I've said a lot of times, I think Dan Mullen coached his last game at Mississippi State when they lost to Alabama. In the next two weeks, he was just employed by Mississippi State. And now you look at Lane Kiffin, I mean, it, it really is, there's a lot of similarities here. Lost to Alabama, and then, I mean, I think we would all agree last week the distractions probably played a role in what happened up at Arkansas, and now you come to the Egg Bowl. Um
6: no,
4: I don't, they I don't have know a those pro games mindset. To... They don't think about anything else other than football all the time. They're little nineteen-year-old football-playing robots. They're not distracted at all.
2: There's a pro Lane Kiffin mindset. I'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, so, I think you know the distraction. Is, there there are distractions. I think that will hurt Ole Miss to a certain degree. But Mississippi State winning this football game is is kind of fully in Mississippi State's hands. And what I mean by that is how they how they run their offense. If they run their offense the way they did in the first six games of the season, they have a great chance to win this game. If they run their offense the way they've run it the last, you know, what, five games of the season, they are not going to win this game. It really is as simple as that for me. Almost being distracted helps, but State has to do the right things in order to win.
3: And then the other thing that I mentioned, it's like you can't just rely on this, but certainly could very well be a factor, and that is the weather. Now, in terms of cold, it's actually gotten a little bit better. The high on Thursday is 60. The low is 52. So that's not warm by any stretch of the imagination. If you stay out in 50 degrees in the rain for a (laughs) long time, you're going to get cold. But that's not 38 in rain. During the day, 70% chance of rain, rainfall near a quarter of an inch. During the night, 80% chance of rain, rainfall around half an inch. Generally speaking, a wet track favors a team that runs the football. Nobody in the SEC runs it better than Ole Miss does. But if you just assume Ole Miss is winning the game because they run the ball because it is raining, I think you, again, are being quite nearsighted. So, Borja, I'll ask you that question. What effect does the weather have? It's certainly going to have some. Uh, Although State's
4: run defense has been quite good, in spots anyway, I mean, it hasn't been perfect all the time, but they have displayed at many points this season that they can be extremely good stopping the run. So... Uh, If, for whatever reason...
3: Seventh in the SEC. Dead set, middle of the pack, giving up 150 yards a game on the ground. And they've played Alabama and Georgia for whatever that's
4: worth, and an entire West schedule. Maybe that skews things a little bit, I don't know. But either way, they've got the bodies that are able to be a good run defense. I I think, as crazy as it sounds, the X factor is going to be Jackson Dart. And in the group of wide receivers. And if Michael Trigg, who has dressed out the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe can go and give them something there. Uh, if they can have any semblance of a passing threat despite the weather, then you would feel really good about the running game being open,
3: right? Sure. Absolutely. And that's kind of what they were last week, right? I mean, they took some shots down the field. They throw for 260, 240, whatever the number was. Had a passing touchdown, and then they just went off. And ran for a billion. By, by the way, I think if Ole Miss runs for 400 yards for a second consecutive week that they probably will find themselves on the good side of this game, Un- unlike Arkansas. I, I, it just seems that would unlikely be something. To, uh, to, that you would lose consecutive games rushing for 400 yards. But 400, you don't have to rush for 400 yards. You, you just don't. But the, the
2: number for state is, is 250, right? Like that's a baseline for Ole Miss. It feels like almost. You mean like keep it yard. under two hundred and fifty? Well, I think you're. I think you what? No, I think you're saying you're just going to give up two hundred and fifty. That's where you are. It's on what you give up over that. And, yeah, and if you give up two seventy-five, you can win. If if you give up three seventy-five, you probably lost.
3: Ole Miss is averaging two hundred seventy-eight yards per game on the ground. That is first in the SEC yeah. by about forty-five yards.
2: Arkansas second. Yeah. That pass-happy Kiffin offense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about, you know, how close to that number are you keeping Ole Miss? Because if they start creeping into the threes, it becomes harder and harder to win the game.
3: Yeah. So what do you think is important? I mean, I know we've talked a little bit. I mean, you, you, you're you on Team Run the Ball for, for Mississippi State, and we understand that. But what else? Mm-hmm. The tackling?
2: Tackling is key when you're playing a team like Ole Miss, obviously, because their running backs are so good in the open field. Uh, from state, for a state perspective, drop passes have been a huge issue this year. Um, you got you got to correct that issue. One thing I think that state has going in its favor, and it's tough to predict these kind of things, but state's so good in the return game with Tulu Griffin and Savion Thomas. I, I almost feel like you can, maybe not a touchdown, but you can count on a couple of big returns to give state good field position, and when they get those opportunities, they've got – to put the ball into the end zone, um, and then you have Emmanuel Forbes, who will either be on Mingo or Heath, and that's—I mean—that's a big weapon for Ole Miss that you, I feel like State can neutralize.
3: How do you think they use him? Does he just line up, and then wherever he lines up, whoever happens to be there yeah. is the guy?
2: Arnett's—that's not the Arnett way, you know. He, he usually. Heath, or Forbes is on one side of the field and Richardson's on the other, so they don't tend to follow receivers. I, I said on Thunder and Lightning, I would follow Heath. I would put him out there on Malik Heath and uh, see if he can get at his head a little bit. But we'll see.
3: We'll see how that goes. Back with you after this, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
1: From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Back again, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line. Right now, though, we go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Todd Wade joins us right now, former all SEC offensive lineman, went on to play and have an exceptionally uh, successful career. In the, uh, the NFL, Todd, appreciate a few minutes of your time uh, to, to talk some Egg Bowl. What's up, my man? Uh, doing well. Thanks for having me. So when I say Egg Bowl to you as someone who grew up in the state of Mississippi and, and chose to go to Ole Miss, what's the first thing that jumps to your mind? Just
5: Animosity, um, intensity, uh, weather like we're about to experience easily. <laughs>
3: We, uh, we may get one of those rainy nights this year. So your Egg Bowls were 96, 97, 98, 99, right? Th- those were the four that you played in? Uh, correct. All right, so the 97 game out of those four, I'm assuming is the one that, that really comes back to your mind. It's kind of a gray, rainy day in Starkville that day. Everybody knows how it ended with the, the two-point conversion. Kind of walk me through that game and that day in particular.
5: You know, um, it was it, just as you described, um, and it had become kind of a cloudy day. It, it rained, and um, just was kind of off and on. Uh, first thought was, well, you you had it. You, you know, when everybody goes out on the field to warm up before the game, uh, the linemen are usually the last ones to go out. So you had the snappers were already out, but the offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, and and the, I believe that was it. We're still, we're still in the locker room stretching. And the reason why we're stretching, cause the field was wet. So we were just going to, uh, stretch in the locker room and then go out kind of and warm up. But never forget, um, sooner stretching and just kind of quietly talking among, and, uh, you hear a roar of the crowd and, but you didn't really know what was going on. You know, it could have, could have been anything. Um, but then that's just the, at the ramp. The Leo Still Center ran up that ramp, and so "There's a fight! there's a fight!" And Benji Pierce, our strength coach, "Well, you hear that, boys? Go get them!" <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> we all we all jumped out. And I'm, I remember uh, running. You know, and, uh, I was uh, wearing spike cleats, running down there. Uh, I don't want to uh, fall down the way, way down. And I remember Derek Burgess passing me. Uh, I was I was running down there. So we're, we were running down there. But by the time we got there, I remember offensive line coach uh, Hugh Nall. He had grass in his hair. Uh, I think a state player that knocked him over, and uh, it was just kind of pandemonium. But it was just it was just at the, um, the at the breakup of that fight, and then you know then just the whole the whole game um, was just very intense. Uh, the fans at that you know that time it was just so. It seemed like much more local, local in recruiting, local everything. Uh, neither team was um, didn't have the brand that they do today, um, as far as recruiting nationally. Uh, so it was there was, was a little more heated in state uh, with recruiting and everything, and uh, just it, you know it was just it was very teams were close and in, um, in records, and it was very competitive.
3: So the two point conversion play at the end. You know, Matt Luke has has said in the past that they didn't have you. You guys didn't have overtime in you. you. You were worn out. You were out of gas. So, so tell me about the conversation leading up to the let's go for two and try and win it right here.
5: You know, we're, a lot of us were still on the field, just kind of kind of waiting, and they uh, made decisions They made decision on the sidelines, and that was it. Uh, you know, it happened honestly so fast. It was much like the uh, that LSU. Uh, just recently, uh, their big win when they went for two at the end of the game uh, under Chip Kelly. Uh, it, it just, it, which I guess, it was is part of the deal. You want to you make the decision and you go and you go for it. You don't want to just uh, take your time uh, getting ready necessarily uh, and kind of take take you out of the sink of the game. And you may, maybe you can even get on the field fast enough to surprise the defense. But it honestly happens so fast um, that we we just. It was just another play, but yes, yeah, so we get in the huddle. You know, that's it. If we don't get in there and you know, call, calling uh, you know, such a play like that, we're trying to get our get defensive linemen hands down because it, you know, the closer closer you get to the to the goal line, the ball is coming out faster. So the last thing you want is uh, defensive lineman to bat the ball down. So you can, uh, it's it's almost more of a play action. Uh, pass when it when it comes to when he when you when the quarterback is that close to the uh t- you know, towards the goal line. So it you know it it was um you know it happened fast and just just kind of pandemonium afterwards. Uh, everyone was excited. It was just no one you never know what to expect. You know, under Tuckerville we we went for it a lot on fourth down. Maybe not as much as Kiffin has, but we certainly did, and so it wasn't just uh, out of the ordinary, but it was it was still somewhat of a surprise.
3: All right, so I feel like there's a parallel to something that happened in your career and something that may be happening right now at Ole Miss. The, the Lane Kiffin stuff is very much up in the air. You, you went through the time, and, and it was different, right, because we didn't have the social media and there weren't as many message boards and it wasn't necessarily all-consuming But people were talking about Tommy Tuberville leaving for Auburn. Here we are again. Um, In terms of getting ready for that game, take me inside the locker room. What it was like then and what you think the guys on Ole Miss's team are dealing with right now is they prepare for a game that should be a really big game and is, but all of the conversation outside is about whether or not their head coach is going to be here in three days.
5: Uh, absolutely, you know it. It honestly is almost identical because I, I, I've always thought this. I remember walking up to the Starn Center at Ole Miss. That's basically where our weight room, uh, next to the locker room, is located. Um, and seeing Ronnie Heard, and I remember Ronnie looking at me and goes, "What do you think? Are They leaving?" He goes, "I think they're leaving." And I go, "Man, I really that was so." I, it 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 reminded me of this because it was it is on the players' minds. The players talking about it. It's it's not a, what are we going to do? But it's it is it's the big talk. You can't help it. You're...
3: Uh-oh, we may have lost Todd. Yeah. Todd, are you there?
5: Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me?
3: Yeah, I just I lost you just for a second. The last thing I heard you say was you you can't help it. It's on the players' minds.
5: Yes, it is. It's on the players' minds because you're Even though you don't have you didn't have social media and uh, message boards like they like they do now, but it's it it is the big talk and parents were talking about it. uh, You know, students, so all your friends are talking about it. So you you can't help it. I mean, the coaches when they also mention it in meetings, you can kind of you can read between the lines and kind of know what's what's happening. It would would be these um, random snippets that an assistant coach might say, or you know, everyone's on position coach. Um, you know, don't worry about what's happening. You know, things like that. You, it's you. We kind of we kind of knew, but you really don't. And sure enough, we go to Arkansas and get just crushed. So it 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 is. You know, I don't. You don't necessarily want to blame it just on that. Uh, other things happen. You know, credit to the uh, opposing teams, but it happened to us. And it's, it's you know it's happened it's happened this year as well. So. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we have you know a good game plan, and the, the um, I'm sure the staff is um, prepared uh, for this game and prepared the players. But you never know.
3: I'm curious. You, you, you had the win in '97. Unfortunately, you dealt with with three losses in that time as well. What what stands out more for you? Is it the win or is it the losses? Because I've heard players through the years say, you know what? It's the losses that you always remember.
5: You know, I can speak for '99. And it's 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 one of those losses that I always think about, even now, because yeah. it's you, frustrating. If you and and for me being an offensive lineman, I'm, I'm always I'm thinking about the offensive line and how the offensive line played. You remember when you lost and the offensive line did not play well? Uh, you'll you know you never forget that. So there's a couple of games during my senior year. Georgia's another one um, that I felt our offensive line dominated, but we lost the game. And I felt the state game was the same way uh, against a really talented uh, defensive front, but we we came up short. So it is a it's an unfortunate loss that you know they they got away with one in my opinion, and we lost. And but that's it's, it's definitely something you think about.
3: There were some really good backs that were at Ole Miss in the uh, the time that you were there. Who, who's the guy? Uh, who, who's the best back that you ever blocked for?
5: Yeah, you know, Deuce was uh was really special. You know, and you and you go back and look at him during like his freshman year. We kind of looked at people, kind of looked at him like he was a power back, even though he wasn't as big as he was in the NFL. But you know, but yeah. as, as a freshman, he he just you had John Avery was the was the other guy. So you had John, you know, super fast. We people looked at Deuce like he was more the you know short yardage guy, but he wasn't. He was a sprinter. Uh, you know, Deuce could fly, so it's um that's he was a special player. He he could catch, um, he you know return kicks, do everything, and so, you know, I, I, I block for great ones in the NFL as well. Ricky Williams being one of them, <laughs> yeah. And and you know, fortunately, we were, we led the league in rushing with Ricky. So um, you know, both really good backs, but um, Deuce is always on top of my list, so
3: Todd, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sports
1: Talk Mississippi continues.
3: I'm always intrigued when I look at Wikipedia and its history of the Egg Bowl. they're, They're games that have names, right? 19.06, 19.06, they call it passing fancy. I'm sorry, what? Passing fancy. What did somebody fancy? throw the ball
2: three times in that game instead of the usual one?
3: I think we should bring that back. James C. Elmore well, still... of Ole Miss caught the first forward pass in the history of the rivalry <laughs> in 19.06. Elmer's kicking <laughs> accounted for 13 points in a 29-5 to route. For the first time, the game marked the end of the season for not one, but both teams. That was in 1906. 1918, Gotcha twice. This marked the only time the two teams would square off twice in the same season. At the time, Mississippi A&M won the first contest in Starkville 34 nothing, and completed the sweep, taking the second game in Oxford 13-0. The Rebels were coached that season by, anybody know? 1918, legendary future Mississippi A and M baseball coach C. R. Duty Noble,
2: and the great quote about that too.
3: Oh, about living. But I know in what hell. hell's like. I've been. Yeah,
2: yeah I know what it's like to live in hell. I lived and coached at Ole Miss. Uh,
3: 1926, A and M streak ends after 13 straight losses to the Aggies. Ole Miss pulled off a victory in Starkville by a score of seven to six. The ensuing melee between fans prompted the purchase of a football-shaped trophy to be awarded to the winner each year upon their victory and kept on their respective campus until the game was played the following year, which the following year was the first game for the trophy, 1927. Uh, let's see here. Skip ahead to another named one, the Immaculate Deflection. Hey, Ed. You skipped ahead quite a few years there, but yeah. Well, there weren't that many named, but there, there, no other names no. between them. Uh, okay. 1991, back to campus. First Egg Bowl I attended. Huh. Yep. Mississippi State won yeah. 24 to nine in Starkville, 1992. Back to campus, Oxford style. The stand. The stand. Yeah. Whew. In a defensive struggle that saw a combined 12 turnovers between the two, a goal-line stand of epic proportions by the Red Death defense ultimately gave Ole Miss the win. Mississippi State had 11 plays in two possessions inside the Rebel 10 within the last four minutes of the contest, but failed to score. The first possession ended on a third down pass. that was intercepted in the end zone. But Michael Lowry would bring the ball out to the two. A couple of plays later, Corey Philpot fumbled the ball back to the Dogs. The Rebels' seventh turnover of the day on the ensuing possession. State had fourth and in goal, incomplete, pass interference, keeping the ball alive. State had fourth, uh, let's see here. They put the ball at the two. However, the next four plays resulted in negative yardage. With the final uh, pass falling incomplete, 20 seconds left. Imagine having
2: five turnovers and being plus two in turnover margin. That's a hell of a game.
3: 1999, the pick and the kick. Hmm. Robert Bean. Hmm. Eugene Clinton with the interception. Scott Westerfield with the 44-yard game-winning kick. That was the one that uh, Jim Ellis talked about earlier today. Uh, mm-hmm. They label uh, 2003 as number 100. Torrential rain as Ole Miss won that game 31-0. And Jackie Sherrill uh, announced his retirement. Or actually, he had done that in the middle of the season. Yeah. He went 7-6 and six in 13 games against Ole Miss. 2007, the comeback... Mississippi State trailed fourteen nothing with less than eight minutes to play in the fourth quarter when Eddie O decided to go for a fourth down at the forty nine. Yes, and they punted it to um, Derek Pregies. Mm-hmm. Rebels went zero and eight. And Ogeron was unemployed. The following year, Croom's yeah. farewell.
2: The Ooh. greatest win in Mississippi state history.
3: Ooh. Houston Nuts first Egg Bowl. Rebels would avenge the 07 loss in impressive form, winning 45 to nothing. Largest margin of defeat in any Egg Bowl since 1971. Ole Miss finished 8 and 4 and went to the Cotton Bowl. Sylvester Kroom resigned hours later. 21 and 38 That's in his five years.
2: State's biggest win. I can't imagine a, a bigger win than that one. Always said it. If Houston could go back in time, Richard, he'd have found a way to win that game twenty-one seventeen. He'd have found a way to not make it so bad. Twenty
3: eighteen, they call the Egg Brawl. Hmm. Uh, and twenty nineteen, the. Um... You gonna say it? I don't think I should. So the um, we all know the, what it's called. The word that rhymes with miss and double dismiss that is uh, another word for urinating. There you go. The whiz, the know. miss, and the double dismiss. <laughs> wow!
2: That's right. I didn't think about the double dismiss.
3: Yeah. Oh me! What a series!
2: I mean, yeah, there's some, crazy, some craziness in there. I mean, that's not counting. You know, there's no name for ninety seven with the crazy you know, a two-point conversion there at the end. Um, just trying to think through the years. You know, the 81 game with the pass interference, the Dick Pace game, John Bond talked about that last year. Um, yeah,
3: I got a message from a friend earlier today that said, um, my favorite egg roll memory, 4 k keeping it to score the go-ahead touchdown at 81. I was so excited my parents took me to Hale and Jones. I'll explain in a second at the Jackson Mall to get me a shirt made that night that said, I was there, Ole Miss 21, MSU 17. I wore it to school every week. Do you remember Hale and Jones? Sporting I don't remember that. Store. Sporting goods store. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, I told you. I was like, That's I've been where those rich old Miss kids went. I didn't go there. I think there was one in the Oxford Mall when we moved here. Before University Sporting Goods, for a brief time, Had a had a... Store in the mall as well. Right, whatever. Doesn't matter. Mm. Hey, we have not talked at all about any of the other games that are happening this weekend for obvious reasons. There are other games. You, you know, a very
4: stupid thing is happening to me this weekend. Uh, my My wife's best friend in the world I get to meet for the first time lives far away this weekend and her husband. Uh, I'm very excited to meet them. I cannot wait. She's a very important part of Katie's life, and because of that, she's an important part to my life, and I, I, I'm really excited to have them here. They're going to be here Friday night and Saturday. He's a big fan of golf, although I am apparently a significantly better player. doesn't matter. Point is, we've got this Kiffin stuff going on, and I have been booked for a 9 o'clock tea time on Saturday morning. So I I will be away from phone and technology and everything. That's when it will happen. For Kiffin going to Auburn or whatever. And the Ohio State-Michigan game, number two versus number three in Columbus. I'm going to miss both of those things because I'm meeting very important
3: people. But I'm very mad about it. Well, Well, two things. One... Take your phone, turn the games on in the cart, in the cart, and you can kind of watch football as you're getting in and out. That's so you can keep up with it, and you need it anyway That's not yeah, the same. for the for the the thing two, if it you, happens. You, you should get you should be home for the fourth quarter of Ohio State Michigan.
4: Well, I, I guess I'll get to see the, uh, the 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 money quarter, I suppose. But yeah, this stuff is going to go, oh refuge. There you go. Yep. They're uh they're big listeners of ours. They they tell me every time I go. So Love it. But
3: I stayed it, at that Sheraton last Thursday night for the first time. That's really nice. They did a really nice hotel. Remember they uh, they had us of out there. The airport. Yeah, um, did. Um, course has really grown in
4: nicely too. It's a, they've done a good job. Either way. Um, I'm going to be cold, and I'm going to be playing golf, and my back hurts, so I'm going to not enjoy playing golf. I'm going to miss Ohio State, Michigan. I'm not going to be able to do, like, an emergency podcast or a post for us or anything on social media because I will be entertaining these people. Like, does nobody respects football season. Mm. Weddings, kids getting born. Do you talk to your wife about this? I mean, I have tried to, like make her understand what this weekend is and it's just not getting there. And it's not that she's very intelligent. It's just she doesn't understand that, okay, this is, I wait 51 weeks a year for Rivalry Weekend in college football. Do I have to go play golf with him? And the answer is yes, because Does not like football at all? Not like I do. Why don't you move your tee time up? Also, I'm going to have issues with him anyway. So he is actually he's he's of Mexican descent, Uh, as I understand it. Speaks fluent Spanish and all that. He roots for the Mexican national team, so he and I are going to have a a, we're going to butt heads anyway. El Tree? Yeah. I mean, come on! You're an El Tree fan? Get out of here! You live in Milwaukee. Mm.
3: So, yeah, we'll look at the lines for uh, games involving <laughs> SEC teams when we come back to wrap Under things am. up with you to. on this Tuesday, Sports Talk Mississippi.
1: Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you, Sports Talk Mississippi.
3: Warsaw, Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. We were at Holly Jolly Holidays yesterday with the grand opening of the ice rink and that is going to happen through the 2nd of January. They will be closed Thanksgiving Day. They will be closed on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Other than that, wide open from 3 until 8. Help me out on the hours again. Hey dad, you were better on that. 3 until 8, Monday through Friday.
2: Yeah. I don't remember Saturday. Sunday was 1 to 6, though.
3: I think I think it was noon until 8 on Saturday, and then 1 to 6 on Sunday, I think. Yeah, but yeah. you can go to... I'm sure there's a website. <laughs> you can go to visitoxfordms.com, and you can, uh, you can find out all that you need to know about Holly Jolly Holidays. Of course, uh, this Friday, a lot of stuff happening on the square in Oxford with Square Alliance. Santa will be on the square. Uh, Black Friday sales... Maybe a lot of celebrating, maybe some dirgery? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see.
5: What Dir- was that dirgeery?
3: A dirge, you know? Dirge. I, I just tu- I, you, I made you got a new me on that up a word up, and I think it worked. Dirgeery. I mean, the you act got me of being on dirge-like.
2: I don't know what dirge is, so a dirge you is know, like you're a really sad you're song. really. That
3: wouldn't be celebratory then. That's why I said maybe a lot of Uh, uh, celebrating or perhaps Ah, Okay, I I missed the transition there. is a lament for the dead, especially one forming part of a funeral rite. Could be quite
2: melancholy, is what you're telling me.
3: Uh, Perhaps.
4: I think Dergery worked hey, Here are the lines. These are the games. Real quick, want to say uh, hey to Matt Caldwell. Appreciate you listening, my friend. Glad uh, glad you are with us. <laughs> Keep on keeping on. You uh, uh, you do good work, I'm sure at Heritage Academy. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you and uh, and your kind words. Big thank man, the best. What
3: what did I miss? Uh, what,
4: nothing. Nothing. Watch what you say. That's a big man. Oh he, yeah, he's big. Former uh, Messi offensive lineman. Yeah, and I appreciate I appreciate him very much. The, f-
2: the first part of the the tweet is really funny. The second part, he, he got you there. You know, he he, he, uh, he, he didn't
4: get
3: me. He
4: he you know only, what I mean, he only he te- got my shot. affection, Mr. Campbell. I appreciate no. you.
3: I'm not seeing this text. You,
2: I, I just put it. It's not a text. It's a tweet. He, he tweeted at me. Uh, if you think that's bad, though, Borky. I promise you the thing, I saw, I met him and his wife on on Saturday, and I promise you the things that she said about Richard are a hundred times worse. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh, yeah. They told me, and I quote, she said, Brian, when you die, you will have jewels in your crown in heaven because you had to put up with Richard Cross every day. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. He's just think, somebody's not,
4: married to her. He's not that bad. <laughs> hey,
2: now don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be talking about Richard's the Callwells like that. They're good. They're good people.
3: Oh, are they? Sounds like just yes. great people.
2: They just don't like you. I mean, you know, that's, I know, that's, me that's the measuring stick. Yeah, but, well, you know. Me either. I like I, them both. I'm an elitist, even this week. Apparently, no, no, no. You're not an elitist. You, you, you said something elitist. Yeah, I'd rather watch football than play golf. What is elitist about that? Anyway, but you're complaining about a, a tea time. Yeah, because why? You could, a, you could be out of there by you could be out of there
4: by the, the, the by halftime if you, if you just you know you push it. You know what's going to be really funny is when Ohio State loses again and their fans start wondering if Ryan Day is their guy. I mean, when it's he's coming. twelve. 13 games
3: a that's, year, but loses to Michigan why, twice. When y'all, God, get your when y'all mention Luke ready Fickle, too. it's going to rain on you playing golf Saturday morning.
2: When y'all mention Luke Fickle, I think Fickle is aware of that and is he's going to wait Ryan Day out because I think he's only going to have to wait a couple more years.
3: Dang it, Ole Miss is favored by two in the from... Egg Bowl. Arkansas is favored by three <laughs> over Missouri. Florida State, nine and a half over Florida. Georgia, 35 and a half over Georgia Tech. Hot take, that's not enough. A lot. Clemson, 14.5. Favor- <laughs> 14.5 point favorite over South Carolina. That's a juicy That's a lot line. of points. Zach Clemson. Uh, Kentucky is a three point favorite at home over Louisville. Wrong thing, Bama's, fa- Bama's favored by 22 in the Iron Bowl. It's in Tuscaloosa. That's kind of a small number for Tuscaloosa. Uh,
2: LSU Cadillac, is. Cadillac Williams wasn't the coach for those previous ones,
4: though. You know. Y- yep. I do feel bad for John Cohen if uh, his hire is not announced yet and Auburn happens to win.
3: <laughs> LSU no, is a 10-point like favorite over Texas A&M, and Tennessee is a 14-point favorite over Vanderbilt. With Joe Milton. Yeah, Joe
4: Milton can sling it now, but he's really inconsistent.
3: Hmm. His toward is a little off sometimes. Yeah. Uh so yeah, those are the lines. Any of them jump out at you?
2: I think the uh, wrong team's favorite in Louisville, Kentucky. Ooh. Well, I like the Cardinals there. And that Arkansas one is is interesting too. Missouri is just due to get a win at some point. They've been so close in these SEC games.
4: They got it. They locked up Drinkwitz
2: for two million dollars more a year. There's a win. Uh, Big W. No, that was that was
3: stoops that was stoops oh no, no, they both they both did that they You're both right. did yeah. Missouri trying to get bowl Bring eligible me. when they host Arkansas 230 on Friday afternoon thanks for being with us pearl river resort studios have a good tuesday night talk to you tomorrow